The Carter Report presents Plain Talk with John Carter. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter, and you're tuned to The Carter Report. Our program today is entitled Plain Talk. Most folks like plain talk. They don't want politics. They don't want lies. They don't want deceit. They want somebody to tell it as it is. And so we've called this program Plain Talk. Welcome today to The Carter Report. Hi, I'm John Carter. My wife Beverly and I were watching television the other night, watching the news, American news. They told us that the church in North America is actually shrinking. They said that atheism is the fastest growing religious movement today in North America. And people are saying, what on earth can we do to save the church? Well, of course, Christ died for the church. He saved the church. But what they mean is, how can we keep the church as a vibrant force in the world today, in Australia, in America, and in Europe, and in the rest of the world? Let me tell you a little story. John Wesley was one of the greatest preachers that the English-speaking world has ever heard. John Wesley came upon the scene of the, of the church in England a few hundred years ago when the church was dying. Like the church today, it was a shrinking church, but the people in the church were in a state of denial. They refused to accept the reality that the church was dying. John Wesley did something that uh, other people said couldn't be done. He revived the church through public evangelism. Did you hear that? He started to preach Christ, he preached the Bible, and he preached out of doors and indoors, and the church was saved. Not only did he save a lot of souls, the souls of sinners, he saved the souls of the saints. Please join me, my friend, in evangelism. It's what Jesus did. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900 Thousand Oaks, California. In Australia, write to me at the address on the screen at Terrigal in New South Wales. Join me, my friend, in preaching Christ. Join me in public evangelism around the world. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Jesus taught church unity, that they may be one. Do you see the day when Protestants, Orthodox, and Catholics will be one church? And what separates you from the Catholic Church? Yes, I do see that day. It's coming on like a flood. Uh, just recently, they had a big meeting over here in the United States, huge crowd of evangelicals, and they said, Hey, there's nothing separating us today from the wonderful Holy Roman Catholic Church. Yes, I think it's going to happen. I think the Protestants are going to get together. I mean, who cares what you believe anymore as long as you're just loving to people. And I think they're going to turn to the Roman Catholic Church that still is a mighty force in the world with a charismatic Pope. And I think the Orthodox churches are going to come along too. Yeah. I think we are living in the day of the unity of the churches. Now, the person said, what makes you different from the Roman Catholic Church? I want to say this to every person. I love my brothers and my sisters in the Roman Catholic Church. 
Bless your heart. My father was a Roman Catholic. He was an altar boy when he was a little fellow. And so I was brought up with a fair dose of the Roman Catholic religion. So just get this from my heart. I love Roman Catholics, but I don't believe in what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. What? You don't believe in what the Roman Catholic Church teaches? No, I don't believe in what the Roman Catholic Church teaches on the gospel. I believe the Bible teaches one great gospel, and I don't believe the Roman Catholic Church truly understands the gospel. The Bible tells me when I come to Christ and believe in him, I am justified through faith. This means that God declares that I am righteous. But in the Council of Trent, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that justification is not a declaration, but a making of righteousness. What's the difference, you say? Well, it's the difference between light and day. Big doors swing on little hinges, my friend. You see, if righteousness through faith is a making of righteousness, it means I never come to the place where I'm righteous enough to be saved. Therefore, I need a good burning up in purgatory. But the Bible teaches the moment I come to Jesus, I am declared righteous. That's the difference. The gospel. The gospel is God's good news. Don't you know about the wonderful Mother Teresa? Haven't you read her letters published after her death that she never had a day of peace? She was filled with fear and remorse because even though she was striving and praying and doing good works, she couldn't get good enough. Oh, my friend, she needed to hear the good news of God that it's not our goodness, but it is his goodness, and the sinner is declared righteous. That's a big difference, the gospel. I don't believe in the priesthood. Oh, I do believe in the priesthood. I don't believe in earthly priests. I believe there is one priest, that is Jesus. I don't believe in any earthly priest. I don't believe in confessing my sins to a sinner. I believe in confessing my sins to God. Oh, you say, you're a little bit fanatical. No, no, no. I'm a little bit biblical. I'm sorry. I believe in keeping the commandments of God. And the Church of Rome tells me they changed the Sabbath. I believe that the saints are sleeping in the grave. I can show you this in the Bible. Jesus said, they're sleeping. They're sleeping. I don't believe the Virgin Mary or St. Peter or Any of those holy people are in heaven. I believe they are awaiting the resurrection. So that's the death knell, in my opinion, to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. I love Roman Catholic Church, but I am a Protestant and a Bible believer, so help me God, amen. Uh, That's the plain truth that I'm telling you here today. Do you believe in purgatory and hell? Uh, I don't believe in purgatory. That's something that the, uh, the church uh, thought up. You know, purgatory is just a myth. There's no such place as purgatory. Uh, that was uh, a theological necessity because the Roman church doesn't understand the truth of the gospel. 
do I believe in hell? Yes, I do believe in hell. Oh, you, somebody says, no, 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 there's no such thing as hell. Uh, no, 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 you can't believe in hell. Well, the Bible teaches there is hell. Jesus spoke about a place of burning where the damned go. Jesus said in Matthew 13 that the wicked will be thrown into hell at the end of the world. I know how many people are in hell now. Would you like to know? I have an inside look. Zero. There's nobody in hell. You don't go to hell when you die. Hell is at the end of the world. And the Bible teaches that the fires of judgment, the fires of Gehenna, will go out and the wicked will cease their troubling because the wicked will be no more. I believe in the love of God. I do not believe in the monstrous idea that God is a terrorist who loves to torture people for millions and millions and trillions of years, as is taught by the Catholic Church and by many Protestant churches. Now, I love those people, but I've got good news for them today. God loves you so much. He cares for you so much. Christ died for you. If you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life and salvation is free for you today. I have broken every rule in the book. I am guilty of murder, theft, and adultery. Is there any hope for me? Uh, yes, there is, but you better start coming to God now and don't put it off. What happens if you die in this, as my Beloved Catholic friends say, in a state of sin. If you die in a state of sin, you will go to hell at the end of the world. But is there hope for you? Yes, sure. I am a preacher of the gospel, and the gospel means good news. I'm going to come over here, I think it is, to Isaiah 55. Now listen to this, my despairing friend. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. If there is a desire in your heart to be saved, you can be saved. So come to Christ now. And the Bible says God will completely, freely pardon you and you will be saved. Will America always be blessed by God and have his protection? I love America. I love the Constitution. I love what America has done. America has been, for so many years, our great blessing in the world. As a famous pastor standing on television said, we shouldn't have won the Second World War. We weren't ready. But God put his hand over us and we had the blessing of God because his hand was over us to protect us. But listen, my friend, if you want to understand what's going to happen to you or to me or to America or to Australia or Great Britain, just go and read your Bible. When the people of God obeyed God, when they followed God, when they kept his commandments, God blessed them. But when they turned away from God, God allowed the Philistines and the Babylonians, and the Assyrians, and the Romans to come and destroy them. People say, well, what happened to the Jewish nation? It was destroyed in 70 AD because the people turned away from God. I'm saying with a heart of love for America, 
and I love America, but we are seeing a turning away from God today in America. We have a press that bombards us 24-7 with liberal ideas and a blatant attack upon the Bible, upon the Word of God, and upon American traditions and, and values. And we have today in America a blatant attack upon the Christian home, upon marriage, from the politicians, from the leaders, from the uh, commentators on television, uh, on the radio commentators. They seem to have, or many of them, seem to have uh, a burden to attack the Word of God and everything that the Word of God teaches. You know what I'm talking about. And I believe that if America goes the way of the Roman Empire, America will go down exactly as the Roman Empire went down. God is no respecter of persons. If we do the sins of ancient Israel, we do the sins of the Babylonians, if we do the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, we're going to go down like the Babylonians, the Israelites. We're just going to go down. We sing the great song, God bless America. God shed his grace on thee. I want to say what we need in America today is a, is a day of repentance, a year of repentance. We need to have a turning to God and coming back to the Bible and coming back to the commandments of God and coming back to Christian marriage. God will only bless America as America follows the word of God. This is plain talk and God bless you. Hello friend, I'm John Carter in Havana, Cuba. I'm standing here in Revolutionary Square. This great square is dedicated to the great communist revolution under Fidel that came to this country back 50, 60 years ago. This place is still undergoing a revolution. We've come to check out the reality of the situation. Freedom of speech is not allowed here still. Preaching the gospel out of doors is not allowed here still. Whatever you hear about reconciliation, nothing has really changed. We've been told we cannot run public campaigns in Cuba in any part of this world. We can run meetings in churches, that's allowed. So what are we going to do? We're going to support the people of God in this part of the world. We're going to step through those doors as God opens those doors. We're not going to come and cause a commotion and cause trouble to the people of God. We will work diligently and as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Stand with us in the preaching of the gospel, wherever it is, stand with us. Write to me, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at the address which is now appearing on the screen at Terrigal. And let us go forward 
for a mighty spiritual revolution as we take the gospel of Christ to the lost around the world as God opens the doors. This is John Carter in Revolutionary Square in Havana, Cuba, saying to you, God bless you and thank you for your support. Who made God? God's been around forever. The very nature of God means that nobody made him. Now, our God is not some silly little tin God like Richard Dawkins likes to uh, deride. Did you know this? Before the creation of the universe that scientists call the Big Bang, people say, if you believe in the Big Bang, you've got to believe in evolution. No, 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 no. The Big Bang is simply a scientific term for the point when God created the universe out of nothing in a blinding flash of, of energy. Now, before creation, before what scientists call the Big Bang, there was no time. But God was there. God is not in time. Time is in God. And if there was no time before the Big Bang, then it does away with the necessity of God being made. God is a being who is self-existent. Do you believe in demons? Do I believe in demons? Yeah, I'm sure I believe in demons. Uh, I'm not a fanatic who thinks that uh, everything that, that's bad that happens is caused by a demon. I don't believe in that. That's, that's fanaticism. I'm going to try to find a text for you. And uh, here it is. This is a good one. I'll show you a lot of texts, but this will do. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Hear that? There's a devil. There's a mastermind of evil. The liberals didn't believe in evil before 9-11. But even the liberals after 9-11 said, well, there's, there's got to be something that's evil in, in the world and in the universe. There is. The Bible talks, Jesus talks about a personal devil or Satan. And when you read in the New Testament and other parts of the Bible, you read of the activity of evil spirits. The Bible says these are fallen angels. They've got nothing to do with dead people. Uh, good angels are not dead people who've died and, gone, you know, people have gone to heaven. Now, that's, that's not true. The Bible talks about Satan, who was the leader of the hosts of darkness. And therefore, you have probably billions and billions of evil spirits. And they, they try to cause trouble in the world. They're, they're the ones who deceive people. Uh, they're the people who are behind pornography and pedophilia and wars and all the evil in the world. But the good news is this, that Jesus Christ is Lord over the devil and Lord over the demons. And that is why you need to have Jesus Christ on your side and in your heart, my friend. Did Jesus really exist? Well, ask Richard Dawkins, the world's most famous atheist. Uh, he made the foolish statement once, I think, with uh, the great uh, mathematician uh, John Lennox from Oxford University, that there was no evidence for the existence of Jesus. But I heard him say more recently 
and this was good. He said, I was wrong. My friend, it takes a bit of gumption, a bit of decency to say, I was wrong. Some people would rather die than say they're wrong. Richard Dawkins says, I was wrong. There is historical evidence for Jesus. Jesus was a Jewish man born of a peasant girl, the Blessed Virgin Mary, about 2,000 years ago, who lived on this earth, who died on the cross, and who was raised from the dead. Now you say, oh, no, that's all. That's, as the Irish say, that's hooey. That's nonsense. No, it's historical fact. I ask you the question, what happened to the body of Jesus? If it wasn't raised, what happened to the body of Jesus? Why didn't the Romans produce it or the Jews produce it and say, no, this is all a hoax. They couldn't produce the body of Jesus because the body wasn't in the tomb. The body was nowhere. The body wasn't stolen away. The body was raised and went home to glory. Yes, history tells me there was a Jesus and the good news is he's alive. How do you know the Bible is God's word? I heard a young man get up and say, um, I believe in the Bible just because I got faith. I, I don't believe that. I think that's foolish. Pardon my saying. This is plain talk, you know. Pardon my saying that. But I think it's foolish to say, I just believe because I've got faith. That's what Muslims say. They believe in their teachings because they've got faith. The Buddhists say, I believe in Buddha because I've got faith. Faith is just belief. I believe in the Bible because of the evidence. I've studied biblical archaeology about 50 years. The Bible is historically accurate. Now, there is a great British scholar, Kenneth Kitchen. You ought to get his book on the reliability of the Old Testament. It is the most scholarly book on the reliability of the Bible. He slays the dragons of unbelief. There is overwhelming evidence that the Bible is historically true. Not long ago, I was in Israel. I went into a great Israeli museum and there they had found a tablet or a, an artifact that had the name of King David on it. And the skeptics were saying David was a myth. No, he was not a myth. The characters of the Bible are as real as you are or as I am. I believe the Bible because of prophecy. This book is not like the Quran or some other book. Uh, this book is full of prophecy. I have seen tens of hundreds of thousands of atheists in Russia come to God after I presented the truth about the prophecies. You say hundreds of thousands? Well, we had millions come to our meetings. I've seen hundreds of thousands of atheists come because of the prophecies. And the Bible is shown true because of the person of Christ. Nobody could have invented him. The person of Christ is the greatest evidence for the Bible. And there's another great piece of, of evidence. Wherever the Bible goes, it enlightens, it uplifts, it saves, it makes people healthier, it gives them freedom. Look at the countries in the world that reject the Bible. They're the most wretched countries where the women are oppressed, where the people are poor. What made America the greatest nation? And what, what made Britain great? What made America great? I will tell you, the Bible, because it's the word of 
God. Is there life after death? Absolutely. Uh, why do I believe in life after death? Because of the fact. And I like facts. I don't like just talking religious talk. I, I want the truth. Uh, God give me the truth. I want the truth. And Jesus said, this word is the truth. Now I'm going to come over here and read a bit of God's truth. Coming over here to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, written by one of the greatest uh, theologians, scholars, one of the greatest minds that the world has ever seen. That's Paul. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The Bible says Christ is going to come back. The Bible says the dead are sleeping. This means that Mary is sleeping. St. Peter is sleeping. All the saints of God are sleeping. You don't go to heaven when you die. Oh, where did you get that heresy? Well, I got that truth out of the Bible. I don't go by just the teachings of my church. I go by the teachings of the Bible. And the Bible says Christ is going to come back and he's going to raise the dead and God's people are going to go home to glory. One day I'm going to live forever. And you can too if you come to Christ. Do you believe in hope? You better believe it. When I look around this world today, the crime and the violence and the raging racism, and I see ISIS and these awful groups that are murdering and killing and raping and doing all of these abominable crimes, one could be overcome with despair. One could say, you know, what's the, what's the use? Everything's getting worse. Every day I get out of bed in the morning, I say, thank God I have the blessed hope and God's hope is not wishful thinking. Someone says, oh, when you talk about hope, you just hope it's going to happen. No, my hope is based upon God and upon Christ and upon the resurrection of Christ that he rose from the dead and that he's going to come back. When he comes back, you know what he's going to do? He's going to take his people home to glory. A very dear friend of mine passed away just recently, my beloved brother Warren Judd, went over to Loma Linda on Monday night for his memorial, had a little part in the service. Everybody there was sad, but everybody there was happy. Happiness and sadness coexisting. Everybody was happy because everybody had hope. I told the people, we're not saying goodbye to Warren. We're simply saying, good night, old friend. We're going to see you in the morning. We're going to see him again. We've got hope. My friend, we want to share this hope with you. Write to me, please, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to the address on the screen at Terrigal, New South Wales. We have this hope. Support us. Support the sacred cause of evangelism. God loves you.
We love you too. Jesus is coming again. Jesus came the first time. He died for you on the cross and he's going to come again. Please write to me. I need to hear from you right to the address on the screen. And uh, until next time, this is John Carter saying, I love you and God bless you and goodbye for now. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.